Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 37. Today we're talking about authentic assessments in the music room. We'll also share a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So it's time to share some highs and lows from our school week. Tanya's going to go first. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just laughing because... <laughs> You're trying to navigate your computer. I'm trying You're to navigate things. Uh-huh. Um, okay, highs and lows. So we're back from spring break. We have been for a while. Yeah, okay. I well. think you said that last time we recorded. <laughs> no, last time it was spring break. So, so you're there. Right. We're yeah. okay. No, we are back. You're right. Officially. We're back from yeah. spring break. Yeah, this is a little bit of lag uh, between when we should have put this particular podcast out. Anyhow. Um, it's been busy. It's been busy. You know, coming back after a break is always a little trying. Yeah, especially when you're gone out of town at a conference before mm-hmm. the break, and then you're dealing. Of course, with you do have those like six days afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that you could pull it together. Or when I say you, I mean me. That I could pull it together. And, yeah, like, but what's the fun in that? Exactly. Why not just lie around and <laughs> we'll sleep just in? Scramble when we get back to school. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, we could do a whole episode on like ways to come back from a. I mean, positive ways to come back. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds like a downer. <laughs> <laughs> now, like, what can you put in place before you leave, before a break? I mean, what you if you can handle it. And what can you, like, prepare as you reemerge, like, from a winter break or from spring break or even from summer break? All right. Anyway, I'm just we'll thinking write that out down loud. For we later. should write that down. You Let me know, listeners, if you think that's... A helpful is that thing. a good idea? Is that a good idea? I don't know that I have anything good to say on that. Okay, <laughs> I probably well, need more advice than I can give. Let advice, it simmer. But, Just let it well, simmer. Well, yeah, let, I'll think about that one. Um, All right, high note. High note. Low note. Low what note. What you got? Actually, I, I could have gone, well, I mean, you can always go, there's always some lows I could talk about, but I was observed uh, by my principal. Um, was this yesterday? Yeah, it was so long ago. Yesterday. And it was, it went so well. Yay. Yay. And I was very thankful that she walked into a third grade class when she did. Um, And honestly, they really are a fantastic class. I mean, of all the classes to come in, this was a great one. We happened to have been working on a recorder composition. And then it was also the first day that I had my keyboard lab set up. So I had it structured so that kids were finishing up this recorder composition, they're writing out their uh, melodies, eight measures worth of stick notation with the letters written underneath. We're not putting it on the staff quite yet because I really want to make sure that they can play what they write and write what they play. Right. Uh, so it's really about like, can you can you play the thing? Yeah. It's not about put- and once you start putting it on the staff, then we're all jumbled up with the direction of the stems mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. Yeah. So um, you know, it's kind of it's very much a like facilitator type project where like I'm just setting them up. We did this as a class before, um, like a class composition where we all contributed so that they would get the process down. And I gave them lots of choices, and they have strategies because they've been practicing B, A, G, and we added E if they want to put it in there. 
Um, so we did it as a class. Now it was time for them to do their individual work. And so they're scattered around the room and some of them are, are just writing and some of them are writing and playing. And so, you know, I mean, it was really just a great time for her to be in there. And then at the last 20 minutes of class, I gathered them back and it was their first time to go on the keyboards this year. And we talked about how to find B, A, and G. Yeah. And they had their compositions and they transferred what they had written. And I just said, just just your first two measures, that's it. Just yeah. worry about that. So they transferred what they had written for the recorder onto the keyboard. Cool. And so that really worked out well. And like, my principal is awesome. I'm very, very lucky. Yeah. And she was just so very complimentary. She kept... Um, you know, when she was leaving the room, she's like, this was an excellent lesson. Aww. And then I saw her later in the lunchroom as I was doing duty, and she was saying, I don't know what we're going to talk about because... <laughs> I don't I'm know like, when they say that. Like, well, there's some things, <laughs> well, but... Yeah. You Had you come them. during a different class, <laughs> like, that's usually my why response. Why don't you fly back in during kindergarten yeah, when people right. are throwing themselves against the wall? Um, <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. No. Just me throwing yeah. against the wall. No. Well, that's good. <laughs> Congratulations. Anyway, so that was really nice. It's nice when they can see a lesson like that, that we can really see the process of what yeah. kids are doing. And they can see it physically, you know, the manifestation of what they're creating musically. Exactly. That's, that's really great. And then they can see them apply it in, like, more than one way. Yep. And, um, you know, the kids are showing their learning. Yeah. And, and all it's very, that. like, workshop modely, right? Yeah. In a way. Because, yeah. like, they had work time and then they produced something. But, and... I mean, it's just the natural way to go. Well, yeah. Which is what we're always trying to impart to administrators and other yeah. teachers is that, you know what, these things that you guys are all, like, talking about, a lot of it naturally occurs we're doing in it this process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we just have a label on it, you know. We yeah. just need to, like, call attention to it and maybe, like, you know. Totally. Firm it up and all that stuff. So that was my high. It was great. Yay. What about you? What you got? Well, I was going to say a high, too. And you were a part of this. So Ooh. my choir and Tanya's choir oh. got to sing at the Rockies game. Yay. So the Colorado Rockies does a great thing where they, you know, have different school groups come and perform the national anthem. And our district, being a very large district, mm -hmm. we are able to sign up for, like, a district day. And this was perfect for me because this is the first time I've ever brought a choir to sing the national anthem and I was just very worried about how many students would be able to go because they have to buy tickets to be able yes. to sing that's a big deal especially at a low-income school that's a lot of money yeah. for a family to be able to go to a baseball game so anyways I kind of guesstimated that I might have about 15 kids show but then the good news is we combined with all these other schools yep. and we all sing together so I wasn't feeling the pressure oh yeah um, and we had one school that showed up with 100 kids yeah and that's great yeah. but I just didn't think I'd get there but what I was pleasantly surprised about is that I had more kids come than I thought. Right. How many did you have? I, you know what? I feel bad that I didn't actually. I could go back and count. I think I had around 18 to 20. Okay. So more than I predicted. Well, there you which go. Which was good. I had 39, which was kind of funny because our last performance, I only had 35. Well, there you go. Some came out of the woodwork. Yeah. Which you is know, fine. I, I was just really excited. And I mean, some of them, it was such a big deal. Like, they brought, like, the whole family. Like, some nice. families, like, literally, like, 20 people came wow. to the game. You know, to hear their kids sing, but then also enjoy the baseball game. It was, like, a good excuse to go and enjoy a baseball game. Yeah. So it was just a really great thing. The parents were very appreciative. The kids had a blast. The kids Love it. They so were they? so nervous when they were down on the field. Really? Yeah, I mean, especially because 
we as a choir we haven't done it before so right. you know I told them what to expect but now that we've done it you know next year the kids who have done it will be able to tell the other kids and I think they'll be less nervous oh about yeah it, and then but... it'll be like a tradi- tradition exactly in your school. And this but is, I mean I was yeah. happy they were nervous that's good because yes. that means they cared and, and that too there, did you know that someone threw up on the way back no. Did I not tell you this? No. Oh. The school behind my school? Yeah. Yeah. As we were turning to leave, one of the little girls on the end, and it wasn't like a huge ordeal, but she... On the field? On the field. Oh, no. Did they have yeah. to clean it up and everything? You know, it was it was interesting because um, <laughs> the, one of the you know, herders, one of the official Rockies, yeah. she was like, oh my gosh, did you, that, that girl just threw up. I said, yeah. She's like, I don't know what to... Um, what do we do? Yeah, and it, it was like barely. It wasn't a, like a huge thing. Yeah. But then she, we were leading the kids back, and I was like, um, "Are you gonna make them avoid <laughs> stepping in yeah, that?" Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's the actual field where the yes. players can be. Well, it's way far out it's, in outfield. But still, yeah, I mean, technically, I it's, it's on the field. They give you such a hard time about stepping over the white line. I oh, think, right. yeah, they would probably want they the, would probably want the vomit, the vomit through. cleaned up, cleaned up in right field. Um, yes. Yikes! That's sorry. Funny. I'm sorry. I should. Oh, I this is a lovely start that. to our oh. podcast. I apologize. No, none of my kids were that nervous. Yes, <laughs> luckily, that's good. But it was really fun, and I'm really glad we did it. Awesome. And it's time for our main theme, which is assessments. It's a big one. It's a big one. And so we really need to clarify that there is no way we could talk about all the things that go along with assessments. And we really want to give some structure and let you know that we're not going to be talking about, first of all, cumulative assessments. Right. And we're not going to be talking about assessments through the lens of like, a classroom teacher or an administrator. Right. And like what you need to do to show administration. I mean, of course, you do want to show this to administration, but right. we're specifically talking from, uh, we're talking about formative assessments. Yep. Which are usually pretty short and sweet. Yep. And the whole idea about formative assessments is that they inform you and the student as to. If they've got the thing, if they understand the thing, and how deeply do they understand the thing? Yeah. And both of us, and I think most most teachers at this point, understand that we are working with a backward design model. So we are beginning with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, okay, um, the concept I'm teaching, let's say, is dough. And that's the one we're going to take today. And by the time we're in a late practice of dough, what do I want students be, to be able to do with this with, new knowledge this of concept. dough? Yes. With the ability, can they sing it? Can they understand the intervallic relationship to other known pitches? Can they improvise with it? Can they read it? Can they write it? All of these things. So we're going with a backwards design where it's like, okay, here's what I really want them to do. How do I get them there? And that's just like a just a quick justification of why assessments? Because we're always thinking about what's the end result? What do we want to happen? Yeah. Right. So we are going to take just one concept. Right. And we're going to give some specific things. And but knowing that you can do very similar assessments for many other concepts. Yeah. And we'll talk about that as well. I mean, yeah. there's especially when you're talking about melodic concepts, 
you can guess that in a Kodai classroom or in any music classroom that of course we're going to be singing melodic patterns that have dough. We're going to be playing melodic patterns that have dough. We're going to be, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of this can be very obvious, but we just really want to like pinpoint, hey, here's a specific assessment that you can use, um, but we're, we're, we're not going to go whole hog and talk about um, the entire philosophy behind getting to the assessment. Right. Right. Because, you know, as, as Kodai educators, uh, if you've been listening to us for any time, you, you probably have a basic understanding or even a very deep understanding of the principles of a Kodai process where we're preparing a melodic or rhythmic element or a different element. And then we have a little bit of time, just a really tiny bit of time where we say, oh yeah, that thing that we've, hey, that low sound in there that we haven't really put a name on that we've been calling low, uh, by the way, that's dough. And they go, oh yeah, well, we knew that. Right. Um, and now <laughs> we're practicing dough and we're calling it dough and yeah. we're doing all dough things um, along with other known elements. Yeah. In a nutshell, this is called either a PPP, which is a prepare, present, practice model, or and or a concept plan because Kodai educators are known to write this down. Yeah. Or, you know, type this down in a document. And most Kodai programs, well, I mean, I don't know about all the pro Kodai programs all over the place, but most Kodai programs follow this model and they call it a PPP or right. a concept plan. And there you go. Yeah. And, I mean, we should point out that these assessments, they can happen at any point in that process. And they will and, and you they have should. to because for you to know when are the students able to to label and start working with dough in a more concrete way, then you have to know that they're hearing it and they're singing it and mm -hmm. that they're understanding it. So there has to be some formative assessment to yeah. go along the way. So some of these assessments could happen in the preparation phase. Some of them will happen and definitely will happen in the practice phase. Right. And, and along the way, thinking about that backward design, you are checking for understanding through these formative assessments while you're doing this prep. Right. Because if you're thinking, oh, Wednesday, I'm going to present Tikka Tikka. And on uh, earlier that week or the, the class time that you see those particular kids, and it's very clear that they're not able to articulate it. They're not able to play it. They're not able to recognize it. Yeah. They're not identifying they're that not there's identifying four it. sounds on that beat or whatever Then you don't say, oh, my goodness, it's in my computer. Yeah. It's on my We're document. We're doing going. it. No, you're not doing it. Yeah. Because... They need yeah. more more steps. They teaching, need more prep. Yeah. Teaching live children informs yeah. a lot of what you do. Totally. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back to dough then. Back so to dough. we're going to just go through different, I, I mean, I consider this to be the skills versus the concepts. Mm -hmm. So within the concept of dough, these are all of the skills and all of the ways that we're going to, not all the ways, but some of the, some ways, of the ways we can assess those skills. Totally. So let's start with singing. Let's sing. How does one <laughs> assess singing? Because I think the big question becomes group, whole group versus small group versus solo singing. Yes. And you do all of it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I don't like write down a grade in my grade book for whole group, the entire group singing. No. But I have done small group singing. Yes. Where I'll have, okay, this group of four, you're going to sing, mm -hmm. you know, 
the first verse of mother mother i mm -hmm. am sick or whatever dough song we're working on call for the doctor quick 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 there's mm -hmm. the so so dough you know and then this group's gonna sing verse two and it's enough that i can hear each individual voice if there's three or four singing in a group i can mm -hmm. pick out individual voices and put a grade in my grade book yeah but they're they're getting that support from each other right yeah so that is one way that you can assess singing without kids if if kids are not Feeling confident about singing solo, definitely yeah. you can have like small groups and they're trading phrases. Yeah. And then a variant of that, if they are comfortable singing solo, and I did this today with fourth graders, is um, you can do chain singing. Yeah. Which I have more uh, recently referred to as pass the mic. Uh huh. And so one kid sings, you know, whatever. Um, one, two, three, pass the mic. Johnny, Con well, that's kind of short. One, two, three, Johnny Cotton Lee, and then they pass the mic. Lee died, Johnny cried, tee hee hee, right? Yeah. And we can go around a small circle just doing that, just passing the mic. Or you can be amongst kids in a circle, or they can be scattered around, and you're just going and you're holding the mic in mm -hmm. front of kids, and they're just filling in, filling in the blanks, yeah. right? And that is an easy way. I like passing more than I like. Um, Right you know, facility, because I'm trying to write. I'm trying to, like, this is true. you know, jot it down in yeah. my grade book. And uh, just a little aside about the grade book, in the grading app that I use, I, and that you use, I use Idokio, well. yeah. uh, it is super easy. Yeah, Idokio awesome. is amazing. With, when it comes to assessments. Yeah. Because you can just go zip, zip, zip. I mean, it's just really, literally a touch yeah. that you can change up those grades. And I, I like to preload ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, where... I go in and I and I'm working on a four point grading. As right. I know you are. Yep. And I just go in and I at first I give everybody a three. Yeah. And then as we're going along, subtract if it's different, or delete. yeah, I just subtract or delete. Subtract so much or faster than having to put in the number every time. Yeah. Now back to the chain singing because I know this is a question that comes up. So if you have kiddos that are chain singing and all of a sudden you get to one kiddo, Sally, who sings. Flea die, Johnny cried, you know, mm -hmm. totally not in her head voice. And then the next kiddo is having a hard time getting back onto the original pitch. Mm -hmm. Do you give some support for that? I do. And, you know, if when that happens, I've been known to, like, remix them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or add in somebody or give somebody a partner. Yeah. I mean, in a way that preserves right. the dignity. You have to know your kids. The, you have to works. know your kids, right? Yeah. And maybe this would be a good time to talk about the four-point scale, too. Let's talk about a four-point scale. And we scale. do this because this is the norm for our district. This is the norm, yes. And so, obviously, how you grade, people listening at home, depends on how your report cards are set up and right. what your expectations are. And you might are. be ha have different requirements. Right, exactly. Right. But we do a four-point scale where basically three is proficient. Three yep. is at grade level. Three is what the kids should be doing. Yep. Where a four is above and beyond. Yep. So if you do have that kiddo who goes after the kiddo who doesn't sing tunefully and they're able to get the pitch back on themselves, mm -hmm. that's the four. Yeah, because yeah. it's running in their head. You exactly. know it's, it's, it's solid there. Yeah. Right. Well, and then the... Okay. So, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's okay. So many things. So a proficient three is where we expect most of the kiddos to land. Yeah. And we want them to... We want... 90% of the class to be there before you officially go, oh, by the way, the name of this concept is 
fill yes. in the blank, right? Yeah. So that's kind of, it, it also gauges when you're going to present that concept. Um, a four would be advanced. A two is basic. Which, which is inconsistent performance is kind yeah, of the way it's I think just of like it. sometimes it's there, like it's in sometimes and out. it's not. Or it's there with support of peers or there with support exactly. Of the I can do this with help. Yeah. Yeah. And then one I call emerging. Yeah. Meaning that um, just not there. They, yeah. <laughs> not singing it specifically if it's singing, not singing in head voice at all. Right. That's to me like the grumbly kind of yeah, talking. Like I, not not coming along yep. yet. Yeah. So, but you should share your fun rhyme. Oh. Share your fun rhyme. Okay. So my one, two, three, four, which, you know, you have to translate it depending on the task. And I have to give credit to um, the technology teacher who I used to work with in an old job, Diane. Um, so the one, two, three, four went like this. A one says, I didn't get anything done. That's why I got a one. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, that translates better to like the classroom. Specific. Kids who are supposed to be doing their math and yeah. are just not. But the doing way that I translate that specifically to singing, and I do, is I say, if you're not singing, if you're talking instead of singing, mm -hmm. you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. And we do this in kindergarten. We learn the difference between uh -huh. talking Exactly, but I still voice. have some hesitant kiddos. Mm -hmm. I do. So anyways, that's a one. And then a two is, um, oh no, now I forgot what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I did some of what I was supposed to do. That's two. why I got a two. Okay. So then it's like, I'm singing some of the time, but it's just not quite where I need to be. Right. You know? And then a three is, I did just what was asked of me. That's why I got a three. So on grade level, singing. Mm -hmm. And a four is, I did what was asked and more. That's why I got right. a four. This is so catchy. And I know. And so I have Don't those... go writing it up and putting it on your TPT stores, people. No, no. <laughs> so I give credit to Diane Miller from no, Colorado. No, don't give credit. Just don't write just it up don't and put, put it Just don't put it on your TPT it. store. And yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. But in my room, I have those four posters hanging up. So no matter what assessment I'm doing, I can refer to those. But then I can give a specific rubric or I can give specific examples of what one, two, three, four look yeah. like. But those are like my catch-alls for anything that we do. Right. But also knowing that sometimes a four is not really, I mean, depending on what it is. Like, right. if you're just writing, I'm just going to use Ta and Titi as an example. If kids are just writing Ta and Titi rhythms with popsicle sticks, uh -huh. what's a three versus a four? Um, I don't know that there is necessarily a four in that situation. Well, you know, I could speak to that i think of um, i mean okay so if they're doing some rhythmic dictation and they're yeah. writing with popsicle sticks yeah and you're giving them patterns and they're echoing them or maybe they're not echoing them and they're just writing them first yeah the kid that is able to do it after one hearing that would be a four hmm. i guess i just never really pay attention how many times oh i do it. notice this when we're oh, doing okay. any kind of dictation yeah in fact the other day in second grade we were doing some melodic work yeah. with dough, as a matter of fact, because okay. I'm behind, because that's how I live. And No, that's good. We're it, doing dough. That's we're, what we're talking yeah, about. That's fine. Uh, but we, I have this this kiddo, and she, she's very musical. Um, and sometimes it's almost an issue because she is, she's got it in her head, and she's singing all the time. Yeah. And she'll be singing the last song while we're on to the next song. But, I mean, it doesn't take, like... Then she'll flip over into the new song. Right. And the, the issue is sometimes is that if she gets something slightly wrong, yeah. everybody follow her. Oh, well, that is the she yeah. yeah. But when we were doing this melodic dictation, I would sing it one time. 
and she would sing it back and she would start doing it and then she'd sing it back to herself and it would be like correct the way she sang it back and then she'd get it like within two times yeah and not and when i say within two times i don't mean from me singing it two times she's from singing. me singing it once from her taking it and her singing it to herself okay a second time and then getting it okay so I can see she's that. a four I don't know that. that I'm necessarily good about noticing repetition, so I need to start doing that. Well, I mean, I just think that that's, that's yeah. one way. Well, or, I mean, if you switch from singing solfege patterns with syllables to switching to singing on a neutral syllable, mm -hmm. those kids who are still able to continue getting it on the neutral syllable versus the kids who struggle. And after less would, times. Yeah, that would right. be another way. Okay, good. Thank you. Now sure. it makes sense to me. Yeah. Okay. All right, so, so that's, that's our one, two, three, four. That's our, yeah, our one, two, three, four. And I also want to bring up something else because I think it is important to write rubrics. Yeah. And not just to show your administrator, but also to keep you on track. Because um, as a younger, more inexperienced teacher, I found myself getting tied up in knots because I was trying to assess more than one thing on a rubric. Yes, yes. And that while we are really... As music teachers, we're we've got this spiral curriculum, and mm. it's not like we learned how to keep a beat, and now we're done with that, and we never keep a beat. Again. Right? You know, it all depends on your other skills, right? Yeah, totally. So you have to really be very specific about what you are assessing, and yeah. this can be tricky in melodic or rhythmic work. So when I'm having kids do chain singing. And I want to know if they understand do. It's very challenging to really know if they understand do if they're not singing in tune. If they're right. not singing anything in tune. Well, or if they're not singing the phrase that contains do. Mm -hmm. You know, not every phrase contains do. So I guess the way that I think of it is I'm not necessarily assessing do. I'm assessing the fact can they sing in <coughs> tune using a song with a tone set of right. do mi sola. So we are still assessing yeah. their ability to sing melodically. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not really specifically assessing their understanding of do because no. they're not showing an intervallic relationship. They're yeah. not telling you about the intervallic relationship, but it's evident that they're hearing it if they right. can reproduce it vocally. Singing is really more just in-tune singing. Mm -hmm. And it always it is, really is in yeah. tune singing. Because a kid who might not be able to do that in tune can then go over to a xylophone. Exactly. And be able to Good hit segue. So many Let's talk about playing. Let's talk about All playing. right. So instrumental within the context of Do, again, is generally going to be something on a pitched instrument. How can you necessarily be assessing Do? using rhythm sticks, right? <laughs> so, no, but I mean, I say that because, again, I, I think I fell into this trap, too, as a young teacher, where I would be like, oh, well, I'm going to have them play a rhythmic ostinato on a drum while we're singing Apple Tree. Well, that's lovely, but it's not assessing whether or not they understand It's dough. assessing whether they can do part, part work right. at that level. but that's a different thing. It is a different so thing. So, specifically with dough, how do you assess instrumentally? Tanya, what do you do? I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> Um, well, you take their known songs that they've been working on, and maybe you even just take a smaller section of that song, and you give them time to play it on an instrument. Exactly. Yeah, just That's, let them figure it simple. out on mm -hmm. a xylophone or metallophone or glockenspiel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've also had kids do boomwhackers, and I know boomwhackers is, okay, I get it, because they're color-coded. You color saw a look on my face, because I'm just... I know, but... 
generally this is a combination assessment where they have to do the color coding themselves. Okay. So I'll give them notes heads on a staff mm-hmm. and then they color code it and then in their group they have to figure out which boom whackers which. I know it's it's very low on the depth of knowledge scale. Okay. I get that. You know my face crinkling up is is multifaceted. I know. Boom whackers also don't sound very nice. Well, Okay, you know what? I will say though, I I do use boom whackers because those are instruments that they can like not destroy. Well, quickly. and that's part of it too. And that's a little sad that that's like a big justification for you using boom whackers. But do you love that sound? No, no. When's the last time you turned on the radio and you heard a lovely boom whacker composition? Oh, no, not at all. So, but it's a means to an end. It's not. It's, it's just. It's one snippet. It's one thing that I do because, and I will. I will say because and the kids love it. They okay, do it because the, the kids love it. Boom whackers also encourages fixed dough in the key of C, which I have a big problem with. I know, but I do that because specifically when I teach dough is also when I introduce ledger lines. So okay. we're not necessarily singing. That's Right. in that key, but we're going to play it in that key. I hear you. I just wanted to say it because a lot of people use boom whackers. I know. I use boom whackers. It's not my favorite, but it's something but we, you can do. We can't rely on them for all I for all of our that. melodic work. Okay, and moving on because Tanya's feisty about no, the boom whackers. No, I just, it's, boom whackers are awesome. Oh, I'm going to post my, my kids doing the banana boat song with the boom whackers. They leave. Okay. Um, besides boom whackers um, and <laughs> bard instruments, well, going back to what you said about part work, uh-huh. having the kids write. Now, again, some of these are going to be a combination of things. So let's say you have them write a little melodic ostinato that uses dough, and mm-hmm. then they play it to yeah. go with one of their songs. Okay, now you're going a little bit more in the I DOK. So we maybe have to back up the train. Let's back it up. Okay, so straight up instruments, having them play something on bard instruments. Right. And or we're... maybe boom whackers. <laughs> Or whatever. Okay. Uh-huh. Moving um, on. I, as someone who doesn't do, haven't, uh, have not done ukuleles. Yeah. I am bet that there's, I'll, I don't know, are people doing melodic? I think of that more as chord work, but I know, I, do I mean, too. you can right. play melodies. It's not like you can't. Is it worth it? I don't, I mean, okay. So if we're really talking dough, for me, that's second grade. I'm not going to use ukuleles. Okay. I'm really going to no, stick with I, I'm not either. Bard is, so that's just me. Could you do it? Probably. Could you do a piano? Oh, yeah. Most sure. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Especially fact, if you focus on black keys. Well, like I was just talking about, my third graders transferring yeah. melody they wrote onto the keyboard. Yeah. And it's me, Ray Doe. There yeah. you go. That's perfect. Exactly. Okay. But if so, we're just talking about Doe, there wouldn't be Ray. Just saying. But you could definitely well, no, use keyboards when you're doing the pentatone with the black keys. Yes. That you could do. No, I, I, I was just bringing up Ray because it was a specific, right. concrete example I'm of something I I'm just being feisty did. with you because you were feisty with me. Okay. All right, back to... Back to... <laughs> reading. Let's reading. Let's talk about reading. Let's talk about it. Okay. So how would you assess them reading dough specifically? Well, <laughs> you would have them read patterns first in stick notation. Yep. And then putting it on a staff. Um, starting with just one key for, you know, the first class period where we look at a new melodic note on a staff, we stay in one key. Yes. I'm a big fan of F major. Yep, me too. I don't throw up the B flat, of course. No. I don't throw up a treble clef. Um, but, you know, we can see those spaces. Yeah. And that works very well. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Th- this is a great time to pull out those flashcard games. Exactly. Like the poison pattern game and, or the fly swatter hit the hit the bright pattern game. Right. Or you're a big fan of the light up bonkers. Oh yeah, me and my light up bonkers. But that's a great time where you can see those things. Or if you're doing something on a smart board, some sort of smart board game. Mm-hmm. And this is a great time if you're doing like stations, for example. Right. You can sit at that station and you can watch the kids play that game. Mm-hmm. And they think they're just playing a fun game, but you're right. sitting there taking notes in your I Dokio about who's getting it right on the first oh, yeah. try. And, and so when we're talking about the practical applications of how you take these assessments yeah. into the classroom and really make them work, it's a, it's a very it's it's very painless if you do it in stations, for yeah. example. Yeah. Um, and if you don't if you aren't married to the idea of I'm gonna assess every kid today. Yeah. You know that can really drag you down because I've been there. I've done that. Totally. But um, if you're doing it in a station situation, you can. Yeah. Assess them, all of them. Yeah. But if it's just um, a lot of whole group instructions happening this lesson, all right. Well, these five kids are going to ident- like they're they're going to be the ones who go to the board and have to identify this this pattern. Right. Yeah. Um. Post office is a good one. Uh-huh. And I wanted to mention about post office because I had an interesting experience today Okay. with post office. Are you going to talk about how you play it? Because there's different versions of post office out there. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of okay. different versions. So tell I'm, us about okay. yours Okay. I'm just going to, yeah. Uh, I've been doing with second grade. It's very basic. All right. Here's an envelope. Here's a stack of, um, I think it's five cards that, that are in there. And I'm specifically today, because I found them, I was using some Sneaky Snake cards. Oh. Yeah. And here's here's some interesting things. Uh, <laughs> all the cards are in a different key. Oh. That makes it a little difficult. Yeah. All the, all the melodic patterns have, have stems. All the notes have stems. Okay. Some are going up and some are going down, yeah. following. So it was very interesting because it really solidified. I mean, it, you know, I've bought this idea a long time ago. But anyway, it was very interesting to see in action of exactly why you don't give all of the information all at once. Because I had that issue where we, we were getting hung up, yeah. where kids were saying, huh, wait a minute. Why is this one on a space, but that so is on a line? Yeah. Okay, well, okay. It can be a different place. Hey, why is this stem this way? Some of the notes are upside down. I said, okay, kids. Well, (laughs) so I just... (laughs) I'm all for movable dough, but one move at a time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I really confused them. Yeah. It was interesting because it was... um, I, I had done this with the other second grade class, like the day before, and it was really good for this particular second grade class right. to see uh, it in different positions because they could transfer that knowledge. And we had done a little bit in the class before. We had done the same little bit in the class before of being able to say, okay, well, dough can be in a space and let's do that. We were doing some melodic dictation. I said, okay, now we're going to put dough on a line, right? So it's not like I didn't already cover that. But only one sitting with melodic dictation, right? Yeah. So one class was able to draw back on that and go, yeah, I mean, I had to, again, say, oh, remember when we said, so it could be here, so it could be there, right? Mm -hmm. One class was able to do that. The other class was like, what's going on? What's happening? And, And it did no good for me to say, do you remember last time when we put so here and then... 
after a couple of those, we moved so here. Like, no, it wasn't happening. Yeah. So, anyway. (laughs) Know your materials before you start. The moral of the story is know your materials, and then there is a reason that we use melodic and, and yeah, I'm, I've made my own things. Some yeah. of them are on TBD. Some of them are, I've made my own things with their just note heads with no stem. Yeah. And I think it's just a really beautiful thing when kids can focus on just yeah. the melody Agreed. and we're not hung up on the stems. And I know that there might be teachers who say, Hey, the, Notes have stems. They need to. Yes, eventually they do. Well, and to me, that's the difference between an early practice and a late practice. Mm -hmm. I will specifically do more things with less stems or even not a full staff, maybe just a three-line staff if we're focusing on so me do. Even Mm -hmm. if they've seen a five-line staff before, I still might go back to the three-line staff just for some early, early practice. Sure. Just to make sure they're really getting the idea of so me do on the three different lines. But then, obviously, getting them back to the full staff and then getting the stems for later practice. Yeah, for later. Yeah. And it's not as though they haven't seen, I join up stems and note heads in first grade. Yeah. And that's when I I do that. They've seen it. They've seen that. They haven't seen stems going both ways. Yeah. They haven't seen, I mean, it's just a lot of, like, newer things for them to ingest. And that should happen, but not at this stage, not when I want them mostly focused melodically. Right. Right. And then on the flip side, the same thing with stick notation. I I so love stick notation. Yeah. And I made a mistake earlier this year with fourth graders where I said, hey, if you want to write, and they know about note heads, my fourth graders, even on down to second grade, if they see a rhythm written with stick notation and then they see the same rhythm written with note heads, it doesn't rock their world. Yeah. They're okay with that. Right. However, the issue comes when they are writing. Yeah. I tell them just for time's sake, leave them off right. for today. Because that becomes a hot mess yes. real quick. And then, they're, and then they're just obsessed with, well, do I color this one in or do I not right. color this one yeah. in? And, I mean, and that's important. And it's of course they need to know that. But if I'm just having them write ta's and titi's and tikka-tikka's and we're not even messing with half notes, right. then just don't even put the note heads on there. Yeah. Well, I had fourth graders do like... Uh, just a purely rhythmic composition with syncopa. Yeah. And I said, hey, if you want to use the note heads, go ahead. All right. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Then because it now it's 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 a hung on. It's a problem that's hung on yeah. through the rest of the school year. Yeah. So now I'm still constantly going, oh, that that's not a real note because you don't have a yeah. key with an empty note with head. With an empty note or head. I know. what's this upside yeah. down lollipop you got sticking right. there? Or I'm, I, yeah. I tell them just to leave their shoes off, to have them go barefoot. I, no shoes today. That's a good one. I'll use that. Because they think that's cute. I don't know. If, Maybe the cute factor will like get them back to just the stick <laughs> notation. Yeah, I just say no shoes today. We're just going to go barefoot. Because that's what I call no heads early on with right. like first graders. So they even still remember that. They're oh, like, don't so put cute. their shoes on. And I was like, but, you know, but, but, two but it's a, or half note. It's they a note head, so why would you put a shoe on your... I don't, oh, well, but why are they on the bottom if they're called note heads? Sometimes, sometimes they stand on their head. Okay, we're head. just getting too deep into it now. But yeah. It's I just, just a cute way of saying, and knock it off with the nose <laughs> note heads. <laughs> well, and then it's also a great conversation to have with students. Like, why do we have the note heads? Yeah. I mean, okay. We've got the half note. We've got the whole note. That's an exception. You don't right? really need them but unless you're you, on the staff. Unless you're on the staff. So yeah. if we're if you're doing a chant, if you're writing just this rhythmic chant, yeah. leave them off. Yep. 
I tell him save marker. Save All right, pencil. so that's the writing okay. part. Wow, let's get back on yeah writing. Okay. No, that's well writing. Let's talk about specifically melodic writing though. Okay. So obviously this is where you can do your dictation mm-hmm. with your little note head yeah. chips on the staff. Putting the note heads, putting your adorable tulip note head erasers yeah, doing on the staff. Things. That is writing. Right. Yes. Um, having them actually, but then and then uh, having them actually maybe write. make sure they're actually writing either with dry erase marker get, or yeah. a pencil. And to me, like, that becomes the difference between, like, hold, like the I do, you do, we do type yep. model, Gradual right? Release. yes. That we do a lot of we do up on the smart board where we're moving things around. We do a lot of we do where they're either by themselves or working with a partner, moving little things on a staff, erasers, circle chip things. But then the you do is when they're doing it, like, on a worksheet. Yep. And that's really the part. Not that I'm, I mean, I'm formative assessing them. Or on a tablet. Or on a tablet. Mm-hmm. Although I will say, being someone who uses tablets a lot, they get frustrated with note heads on the staff mm-hmm. on a tablet. Yeah. It can be a very frustrating Oh, thing. I know. Because then your finger... They have a lot of hard time writing small. Yes. And so to make those note heads fit... The, yeah. Even when I try to make the staff big, yeah. they're just a mess. I rarely do staff work on my... And I have a class set of iPads and I do a lot with them. And I do a lot with rhythmic stuff and worksheets and dictation and composition, but not melodic on the staff. Yeah. I would just rather give them a worksheet. Because they're gonna they're gonna do it quicker and be less frustrated. And you I know don't use this paper. Fun on a worksheet, which I've never done, is those dabbers. Oh yeah. Have you done that? No, but I've seen like the bingo thing. Aren't they mm-hmm. called like daubers? Dabbers? Oh, Are they not? I think they're called like da- daubers, aren't they? Okay, now I, I'm going nuts. I, I don't think I care too much. No, I, apparently <laughs> I don't either. But no, I've seen that they're cute, and if they're they're the right size, they make a perfect little circle. Right. Or I've thought about like little round stickers, giving them stickers. You know, I and have I to, haven't and I don't want to waste the stickers. <laughs> I just give them a pencil and yeah, a piece take of paper. Take my stickers. You and... know. Okay, this is gonna. You know, we always laugh about being the old men yelling at people to get off their lawn. Yeah. I feel that way about worksheets sometimes, and I feel like we go out of our way to be anti-worksheet. That I don't know about you, but I've noticed when I give my kids. It's just a plain old worksheet and a pencil. They love it. They like get excited. I, yeah, because I feel it makes like me they, a little sad. If they don't do, they don't do boring worksheets anymore. No, but I think they really they don't hate them. They don't no, grumble they don't. about them. Yeah. They actually really seem to enjoy like yeah. the quiet and like the working and the pencil. Can I admit something kind of embarrassing? Go, Tanya. Okay. Go. <laughs> so in my and i'm not trying to sell anything i okay. whatever it, i i have some rhythm tracing worksheets oh yeah right? you shared some with me which is very nice store yeah honestly i use them punitively yeah yeah oh, yeah <laughs> me too <laughs> um and cuz that is boring it's supposed to be boring well, but sometimes they're not as bored as no. i want them so to be so this is my horrible <laughs> admission is not just that i use them punitively because i'm like okay you can't handle being with a group You've licked at my mindful bottle. That's not helping things. Now Did you it's... say licked? You licked my <laughs> mindful bottle? Sometimes that happens, but no. Looked you at... looked at oh, it. Oh, okay. I'm you sorry. stared at the... It's not... You're not getting... You're not mindful yet. You're not mindful yet. Okay. Why don't you sit here and chill out tracing? And the reason I created them was, I mean, it is good to trace rhythms, but I didn't want... I've, t- I've tried to do worksheet type things for kids yeah. who needed to sit out. But they can't, they won't do it if they have zero. The, well, How do I do this? What do exactly. I do Exactly. It's yeah, like I am not taking up more you time give them with someone who do. is sitting out. So I'm like, I hear ya. surely you can trace. Yeah. Yeah. Even if I have to read to you, trace 
<laughs> this trace engine engine rhythms. Like if I have to point to that. Yeah. Okay. So yes, I have used the tracing sheets punitively. Right. And then it just always happens that I always have like, I don't know, three to eight kids at the end of the class who are like, I want one of those. I want one of those. Can I take one home? I think it's because they do so many things on the screens that when they actually get a worksheet, they get jazzed about it. I really do. It's so weird. It is weird. I think maybe it's like coloring or something. It's just like this, you know, contemplative, I'm I'm drawing, I'm tracing. Right. I don't know. Anyway, so that's my embarrassing admission. It's like, this was a punishment. Right. And you want to do the thing. Yeah. All right. That's fine. Uh, that is not what you do to assess. Right. No. no. So it's in not assessing, about it's probably going to be some sort of dictation type activity. Yes. Or recreating. Tracing would be yeah. assessing whether or not they can neatly write. Yeah. That's that's not needed. No. So, all well, right. So, is writing needed, is probably one of the easiest ones, I would say. Right. So, we probably don't need to spend. So, all of there. these things that we've covered in a very loosey goosey way so far have been things that you're going to do in the prep stage because you're checking for understanding. You're yeah. checking, you're seeing where they are. And then again in the practice stage. And then stage. again in the practice stage to make sure, okay, now we really can put these things in play. Yeah. The next couple of assessment things that we're going to we're going to talk about are clearly in a deeper depth of knowledge. Yes. And that is creating. Yeah. And this is what we would do more in a later practice stage. Yes. So you're not going to be throwing these things at them. Like, the you lesson just learned right dough after. yesterday. Yeah. So now, now why don't you sing a groovy tune, yeah. sing a, a right. answer to my Because question. before they can create or improvise with this new knowledge, they have to have heard it and experienced it in so many ways. Yeah, it's just like language. And then it just becomes something, it's another tool in their toolbox that they can use. Right. So improvising, both vocal and instrumental. Yep. A great thing is just question and answer. And improvising instrumental, of course, is so much easier. Oh, yeah. Vocal than... inst- I, I will I will admit that I shy away from this section. I am not as good about this. This is hard. Well, and then text improvisation is so much easier. Of yeah. course, you're not assessing any melodic things when you're no. doing text improvisation. Right. That's about, you know, the ability for them to, to create, like, text right. within a rhythmic framework. So maybe we can talk about, well, within both instrumental and vocal improvisation, some steps to set them up for success would be to give them some choices. Mm -hmm. Have some either flashcards or patterns written either a stick notation or staff notation that you've sung through as a class Mm -hmm. and tell them, like, here are some things you can use or you can use your own. So if they have to make up a four-beat or give them a rhythm, and then they have to improvise right. the melody within that rhythm. For for successful improvisation, you always want to give a structure. Yes. Less choices leads to more creativity, actually. Yeah. Because if you say, whatever you want, the yeah. sky's the limit. And yeah. that goes for, like, oh, everything. And then they tend to lose sight of the element that you're really wanting them to incorporate. Right. And at least for me. Then it just becomes, like, yeah. they go off on a tangent. So if I say, okay, I'm going to give you a four-beat question... And your answer can be anything, but it has to end on dough. Yeah. They're really only coming up with three beats. Exactly. And and that is a lot more safe and a lot more successful mm-hmm. for them, especially as we're getting into the improvisation. Yeah. And, and hopefully by this time, again, if we're thinking dough is traditionally second grade, 
in first grade and kinder, they've had opportunities to do text improvisation, mm -hmm. body movement improvisation, right. where this idea of improvisation isn't totally brand new and scary. Right. They're just using it with a new element. So it's getting more and more complex. Right. But it's and, not. And the asking them to do something made up is not scary. Right. Hopefully. But it's a deeper, deeper level of understanding because in order to improvise. Yeah especially, even more so than composing, in order to improvise, you've got to have a really uh, thorough knowledge of how it fits in the framework of everything else you know. Totally. So it's not just, I know that Doe lives here, or I know that this song goes to Doe on this word. It's really understanding its relationship to everything else they know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then composition. Composition is... For me, I mean, I find that composition's easier than improvisation Most for definitely. my kids. The um, only difference between improvisation and composition is a pencil. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's the editing process. I do try to teach my yes, kids that, too. That, you know, you're able to take more time with composition because it didn't just happen, you know, spontaneity. You wrote it down. You practiced it. There's something we didn't quite like, so now I'm going to fix yes. it. So at the second grade level, what would a composition project using dough look like for you? Uh, at the end of any kind of melodic dictation, I mean, at a very simple level, at the end of any kind of melodic dictation, when we're putting note heads on staff boards, mm -hmm. we get some time at the end to let's create our own melody. Yeah. But the interesting thing with the composition melodically is that often they'll write something that they can't sing. Right. I have that issue, too. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where you were talking about editing. Yeah. Where you have to scale back. Exactly. And I was having this issue with my, my uh, recorder players, my third graders, mm -hmm. and they were writing, and they had guidelines, and they had, like, a structure. And I said, well, that looks great. Now can you play it? Yeah. Because if you can't play it, don't write it down. Exactly. Because this is for you, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's the same thing here. So then you give them, like, even a – if they – are not being successful at being able to sing or play whatever they wrote, then you have to, like, give them even a tighter structure. Yeah. Like, okay, only use so and do. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, oftentimes with composition, I'll give them a worksheet with a rhythm, stick notation, just a really simple rhythm, maybe four beats mm -hmm. long or maybe even eight beats if it's kind of getting to that summative stage where I'm really wanting to yeah. give them a big kind of final project. Um, and then they just write in stick notation, you know, under each sound, whether it's ta, ti, ti, you know, one or two sounds, you know, and I give them their tone set, you know, mm -hmm. so in this case it would be and, do, mi, so, la. And so that's and then they not just a, that would not be a single melodic element. Exactly. Assessment. Yeah, this is their, this is assessing their knowledge of, or not really assessing their they're knowledge, but they're, their they're, yeah, they're transfer. And one of the big things with do, especially if we're thinking of it as do being the home tone, if we're mm -hmm. thinking major tonality, mindful, you know, that we talk about do being, I want do to be your last tone, you know, right. because it's kind of coming back home and then seeing if, if they're able to use it that way. And how are they approaching that do with a big skip or a big leap? Mm -hmm. Well, in this case, it would be a skip or a leap because we don't right. know Ray. But, you know, when we talk about steps and skips and what's going to be easier to play, and sing right so they're kind of putting it all together so to and speak and if you use a doe clef yeah and, and we haven't have we ever talked about a doe clef anyway we didn't talk about it in here but i teach it along the way sometime yeah I totally do. it's usually early practice of yeah doe. because you 
yeah, you, this is not the time to get into key signatures no. and treble clefs and yeah. all of that or yeah. any clef. Um, and the do key and who who taught me this? Probably my level two teacher. Anyway, um, the do key shows where do yeah. lives because Doe is the mayor of Solfa Street or right. Solfa Street. Right. Doe has a key to the town. Oh. I don't know why I've never said it that way. I've called it the key because it kind of looks like a key. It does. It looks like a skeleton key. I've never said that whole key. Oh, my gosh. Because when you go to... I need to be doing that. If you do, If you go to Solfa Street or Solfa Street or Music Street or whatever you want to call it. Doe is typically... I say Doe's the boss, but I like Doe's the mayor. Oh, I'd say Mayor Doe and his family. I could change it up and say Mrs. Mayor Doe. Yeah, let's be let's be. And then, you know, she really has the key to the town, I love it. So there you go. Okay, I'm stealing that. Okay. So now for a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. Tanya's got one. Yeah. Now, um, this is, it's, okay. Another one of those things where um, this is a really tiny thing, but just this week it made a difference in, in my classroom, and it's just a, a silly little thing. Uh, we talk about student choice and making sure kids have agency in your music room, and choice brings that to them because, you know, they get to be a part of things. Um, we could do a whole episode on student choice, and I've I think we should. We've talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the tiny little student choices that I did that was not prompted by me, it was the kids, um, this week is that we were doing a um, identify the mel- identify a melody thing. It's it's a TPT product that I made, and it's like these owls, and it's who sang it. Oh, I have that one. It's cute. Yeah. I like so it. So there's a um, So Me La one, uh-huh. and the kids, and my son is singing. Yeah. And he's, like, much older and grumpier, and his voice is much lower now. Oh, well, yeah. So when he was itty-bitty, he, I made him sing it. Um, I asked him. Yeah. He was employed to do so. And so, like, you press the speaker, and you hear the kids singing the little melody, and it's like, ooh, which Al sang it? And there's a little speech bubble that comes out from each owl's mouth. And there's a stick notation slides, but then there's also on the staff slides. Anyway, so we were doing this. And one of the kids, because I said, um, so this green owl will call him owl number one, and this blue owl will call him owl, owl number two. And mm-hmm. I didn't label them as such in the file or anything. Right. I just said, like, hold up whether it's one or two. Right. Right. As just a quick way instead of it being in a station or having someone come uh, someone did come up and tap. Right. But like just to check for understanding. And then one of my little um, students, she's like, Well, can we call this one um flappy? No, can we call this one beaky? And then ca- can we call this one um flappy? Aw. And I said uh, okay. okay. Um, how are we going to show that instead of holding up a one or a two? Yeah. And she said, okay, well, we'll put our hands here and we'll make little beaks for Beaky and then we'll like flap, flap our, our little wings, wings if we think oh. it's flappy. Which uh, is actually maybe easier to see for you. Yeah. Versus a one or a two. Plus, it's really fun to see a group of kids oh. just like. How <laughs> cute. Anyway, so I mean, this was just the tiniest little thing that like. 
uh, they were like really into that. Yeah. Because they really wanted to do the flappier, the beaky yeah. motions. And then when I had my three owls like that came up on like, oh. the more advanced slide, they're like, oh, what are we going to call this one? And it didn't take hardly any time for them to like just say, oh, well, why don't we call this one feathers? Yeah, let's call this one. And then and we'll wiggle our fingers in front for feathers. Oh. Anyway, my whole work smarter, not harder teacher tip is that whenever it pops up, give the students choice, you know, make it work. Yeah. Because that gives more buy-in. They, they totally. just had totally buy-in. They were into this flappy, beaky, and feathers thing. Love it. Here is our CODA section where we each share a professional or a personal recommendation. So, Carrie, you got something personal or professional you'd like to yeah. tell us about? Okay, cool. I have been thoroughly enjoying a show on Netflix, and it's been out for a while, but I just finally watched it. It's The Assassination of Johnny Versace, starring Darren Chris. I just love him. Um, yeah, who I've always loved, but this show, oh my gosh, I just, I had no idea. I I remember this whole thing happening with Versace when I was younger, and you It wasn't know. that long ago. Well, it was, was 1990, it? it was, it was 1997, I think. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, the point being, I just, I had no idea the story behind it, and obviously I'm not going to give spoiler alerts, but the, the person who killed him, who's played by Darren Chris, it's just, it's a really, really good show. I think it's really well done. It's, you know, it's a little grim, and it's a little gritty, so if you're not really into... Blood? Yeah, and, you know, some some adult themes, okay. for sure. Um, Is there so, S-E-X? Yeah. Okay. I mean, well... <laughs> Yes, and I mean, yeah, implied. I mean, well, yeah. The, John and Versace's killer was, was not a well person. Just put it that way, obviously. Yeah. So anyways, just know if you're not a person who really enjoys these, like, crime thriller type shows, this might not be for you. But I think it's great. <laughs> I just really think it's a well-done show, and um, I've just really been enjoying it. Now, I'm not done with it yet, so I always feel like sometimes I give, I give recommendations for books and shows that I'm halfway through, and maybe that's not a good thing. Have but, you, has it stirred you wrong before? Have you been like... No, usually I finish it, and I'm like, oh, okay, no, that was fine. So... Okay. It could end up, I mean, well, I know how it's going to end up. I know the end of the story. But the point being, the show itself. I think someone might die. I think someone dies. But, yeah, it's just a really good show, and I'm enjoying it so far. I think I'm, like, halfway through the the little mini-series, and I just think it's really good. Fun. I almost started watching that the other day, and something happened. I kind of, like, had a little mini-marathon, and I I think my kids were in the room, and I was like, ooh, yeah, No, no kids in the room. Um, I stayed up way too late, because I just, it's, you know, and you know how it is with Netflix shows. The next one starts playing automatically. Yeah, you gotta stop that. If you're just not fast enough, it's like, oh, well, fine. Now I'm invested. So, it's a good one. I like it. Fun. Yeah. Okay. Okay, how about you, Tanya? All right. Um... I'm going to get all geeky. Uh, <laughs> totally different. So um, there's a pod... Okay, a lot of things. But just one thing, really. There's a podcast I listen to called 10% Happier. It's Dan Harris, and it's basically about meditation, and he's got an app, and I don't use his app because I use a different app. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um <laughs> He just talks to some really interesting people. Some yeah. of these people are uh, people who are in the forefront of the meditation or, you know, 
who are meditation teachers, but he also talks to a lot of social psychologists. And one of them that I heard on a show the other day, her name is D uh, Dr. Do Dolly Chug. And she is a social, social psychologist who works at, I believe it's New York University. Um, and she has come out recently with a book called The Person You Mean to Be. She also has a TED Talk, a very popular TED Talk, and that I'll link. And it's, to, it's called How to Let Go of Being a, quote, Good Person and Become a Better Person. Mm. So it's under this whole auspice of, like, everybody likes to think of themselves as good people. Sure. But what might be more uh, serving to you and everyone uh, is to think of yourself as a goodish person who's becoming better all the time. Yeah. Because there's a lot of uh, issues in our society where we are marginalizing people and not even totally aware of it. Mm -hmm. Right? And so she calls it to, and I bought the book um, because after I heard this excellent podcast, so I'm recommending that particular podcast episode, 10% Happier, with um, guest Dolly, Dr. Dolly Chug. But I'm also recommending the book, which I've just barely gotten into. Um, and it's just really a lot of really excellent food for thought as far as these things that we take for granted in our society that we just accept blindly and then we go on and think of ourselves as... Um, always, I, I'm a good person, I have good intentions, everything right. is good, uh, that it, it's all about like really inspecting those things that we just naturally do and looking and seeing, can we do better? Sure. That's all. And it's not, it's not, there's no, I didn't find her style of writing and her style of speaking in this TED Talk, it's not really guilt-inducing at all. Yeah, very positive. It's very positive and um, she's just, she just is able to put her thoughts and her research into just a, a very eloquently and excellently, much better than I'm doing right now. I'm not expressing <laughs> it very well. Go and watch the TED Talk. Go, you know, listen to the podcast on 10% Happier if you're interested, or even look at the book. It's just been really making me think a lot. Good. I know, to say it in a very intellectual way. Nice. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at Teaching Music Tanya's Kodai Aspiring blog. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. And speaking of reviews, we wanted to share some of the lovely reviews we have gotten uh, since we started the podcast. So I have one here that I'm going to read from KTKC82 uh, that was left at the beginning of the school year. It says, I discovered Carrie and Tanya's podcast this past school year at just the right time. Our district is starting our Kodai journey and Carrie and Tanya's practical tips, ideas, and incredibly fun song and activity suggestions have been so helpful to us as Kodai newbies. I love their focus on easy to implement classroom ideas and their very realistic and down-to-earth mindset. If you are an elementary music teacher, you need this podcast in your life. Free professional development that you can listen to from anywhere from two brilliant music educator, from two brilliant elementary music teachers? You can't go wrong. 
Thank you, Carrie and Tanya, for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedules to offer this amazing learning opportunity for other teachers. We are so thankful. So that that's so awesome. It's so nice. Yes. And we just very much appreciate those, you know, reviews because we do this just because we enjoy doing it. We enjoy chatting. Because we're going to do it anyway. Exactly. But knowing that it benefits anyone out there is just icing on the cake. Yes. So, so thank you thank for that you lovely review, KTKC82. Yes. So our next podcast, we are going to be talking all about our summer goals and our summer plans. We're thinking of summer a little early, but, you know, you got to start planning summer soon. Exactly. So we'll be talking about that next time. And until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie. Wishing you happy happy musicking. musicking.